I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 99 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey friend, happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so excited you are here. If you are a brand new listener, welcome. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, welcome back. We are going to be talking all about lesson planning today and next week. So I am going to go ahead and jump right in and I am going to start off this episode with a question that I legitimately want you to like pause and think about. Even if you need to like pause the episode and spend some time calculating this. But I want to know, do you know, first of all, how much time it takes for you to do all of your lesson planning for the week? And if you don't know the answer to it, maybe stop and think about, okay, how much time does it actually take me? And then my follow-up question to that is, if you know how much time you are spending lesson planning, how do you feel about that number? Are you like, yeah, I've got this on lockdown. I got my lesson planning system down. I've got it, you know, I've got it down to a science. I am like a lesson planning pro. If that is you, then you might want to take a break from the podcast episode today and next week because I am going to be speaking to the teachers who are saying, oh my goodness, I am spending way too much time lesson planning. And really, most of the time when I ask teachers about how much time they spend on lesson planning, their reply is way too much with like capital letters and exclamation points. And I I believe that kind of regardless of what the number is, I feel like it is pretty safe to assume that you are probably spending too much time on lesson planning or you are spending more time than you want to. So it's just like you don't even feel good about the amount of time that you are lesson planning. And, you know, lesson planning is one of those things that I feel like is kind of like a necessary evil in the world of teaching. I don't think lesson planning is bad. It's obviously very important and essential. 
you know, we need to do it. But the reality is, is we rarely have enough time to lesson plan. You know, teachers are given, if they are lucky, like a 45-minute prep every day. But oftentimes that's filled with PLC meetings and parent meetings and conferences. And like you have to go to the bathroom, you know. And so you just don't have a ton of time during the actual day to lesson plan. And I I get it. This was a struggle for me when I was in the classroom. You know, I remember when I was teaching and even when I worked as an assistant principal, I would get to school early. I would stay late. I would take stuff home with me at night. On the weekends, I would lug around one of those giant milk crates and a teacher tote that was filled with my teacher manuals and student materials and workbooks and worksheets and all of that stuff. And I would work pretty much some portion of the weekends. And that was my, that was in some cases, I feel like that's still my my life. I'm still working on a lot of the things I'm telling you in this episode are still things that I am working on. We are all a work in progress. But You know, when I was in the classroom, ultimately, all of those hours I spent planning, even though I worked nights and weekends and early and late, I never 100% eliminated my to-do list. And so I constantly had this dread and stress and overwhelm of always having more things to do and more lessons to write and more to plan for. And that was a heavy feeling to carry with me for the majority of my teaching career. And at various points in the year, just this constant working and constant thinking about working and always feel like I'm behind, you know, that would lead to burnout and a lot of feelings of frustration. And I think those feelings of frustration were sort of twofold. One, I didn't feel good about work because I never got my to-do list done. I always felt like I was behind. I always feel like I was, you know, planning for the day or the week. I never felt like I had a system where I knew I was going to get everything done in the time that I had. I always got stuff done, but it was like last minute down to the wire type of thing. And I just felt like I was constantly working. You know, it's like I never, things are never complete. And obviously, we're always going to have work to do, but just this constant feeling of overwhelm sort of like followed me. But also, I didn't feel good about my personal life because work bled into my evenings and weekends, and it really made me feel like I could never fully rest or be present with my friends and family. And I am guessing, unfortunately, that you probably can relate to a lot of this. And if so, first of all, let me just say that I am sorry because I know this is such a tough place to be in, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically. It really is so exhausting and draining to feel like what you are doing is never enough. (laughs) But also, you're in luck because there are always things that you can do to improve your lesson planning circumstances. And, you know, I don't know the specifics of your specific situation, obviously, so I can't change the lesson planning expectations of your school or district and what they place on you, but I can offer some tips and strategies that will help you with your lesson planning process. And so this week and the following week, we are going to be doing just a little two-part mini-series on lesson planning here on the Stellar Teacher Podcast. And the goal of this mini-series is to help give you tools that will help you spend less time lesson planning. And really when I think about lesson planning for teachers and what I want teachers to be able to do with lesson planning is first of all, I want you to feel good about the amount of time you are spending on lesson planning. You know, teachers shouldn't feel like I have to work longer on this than I want to. So I want you to feel good about the amount of time that you are spending on lesson planning, but I also want you to feel good about the output and quality of your lessons. Because I feel like oftentimes teachers feel like, well, if I spend less time lesson planning, then what I'm going to be creating is going to be less quality. 
and it's not going to feel good. So sure, maybe I'm going to actually spend less time planning, but I'm going to feel bad about what I'm creating and producing. But the reality of it is, is you can have it both. You can spend less time lesson planning and you can still feel good about the quality of your lesson plans. So I have some tips and strategies that are hopefully going to help with both. And so today we are going to be talking about three mindset shifts that teachers really need to make when it comes to how they think about their lesson planning. And I know that something like mindset might not feel like it's that important when you have a to-do list that is a mile long. But really, I want you to stick with me through this episode. If you have struggled with lesson planning, please commit to listening to this entire episode because I think that you're going to get some value out of it. And before I jump into those three mindset shifts that teachers need to make about lesson planning, I want to give you a little bit of background on the power that our thoughts have. And you've probably heard the phrase, you know, the power of positive thinking. I actually really like this phrase. I'm a very positive, optimistic person for the most part. And I've always just like, yeah, positive thinking. But you might have a gut reaction that is different than that. You might be thinking, you know what? Positive thinking is not going to write my lesson plans for me, and positive thinking isn't going to change the ridiculous lesson planning expectations my school has for me. And while that is true, you know, I can't change your specific circumstances. There is actually, though, some validity to this phrase. Our thoughts ultimately do drive our actions. And so if we want to change something, like the amount of time we spend lesson planning, then we really need to change our thoughts around lesson planning first. And a few years ago, I was really fortunate enough to work with a phenomenal, amazing life coach, Neil Williams. And she is the host of a podcast called The Six Figure Coach. And it was previously called Unbusy Your Life. But she specifically works with female entrepreneurs on helping them create schedules and kind of declutter their their schedule and their life so that way they can be really productive. And I learned so much from working with her, but she introduced me to, I say it's life-changing because it really is so fantastic, but she introduced me to this tool that is called the self-coaching model. And this is something that she learned from her coach, Brooke Castillo, who is the founder of the Life Coach School. And I'm going to kind of give a very basic explanation of what this coaching model is, but Brooke has some really fantastic free resources all about the self-coaching model on her website. So we are going to link to that in the show notes. So If after I explain this, if you were like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about this, definitely go check it out on her website because like I said, she's got a ton of free resources all about this. But basically, what this model shows us is how powerful our thoughts are. And the model starts with circumstances. And these are the things that exist in your life. These are the things that are beyond your control. So like your job is a circumstance. The number of hours you work is a circumstance. The weather today is a circumstance. There are so many different circumstances that exist in your life. These are basically just the the things, the experiences, the stuff that goes on. Those are circumstances. And every single circumstance is going to trigger a thought. And thoughts are the words and phrases that run through our brain about these circumstances we experience. Like if it's sunny and you forgot your sunglasses, maybe you're thinking, oh, shoot, it's really sunny outside. Uh, I don't have my sunglasses. It's hard to drive. You know, if it's raining, you're like, oh, drat, I'm in a you know crummy mood because it's raining today. That's a thought that you have about the circumstance. But our thoughts trigger feelings, and feelings are the emotions that we experience. So happiness, overwhelm, confusion, joy, excitement, these feelings are triggered by the thoughts that run through our brain. And our feelings trigger actions, and actions are the things that we do. You know, if you snooze your alarm in the morning, that's an action. If you make a phone call, that's an action. If you pack your lunch, that is an action. And actions trigger results. 
And results are the things that happen in our life. And oftentimes they are the things that happen after a series of repeated actions. And this this cycle, the circumstances lead to thoughts, thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to actions, and actions lead to results. This model shows us the role that thoughts play in our everyday life and how really the power of positive thinking is a, a real and true thing. So let me give you an example specifically about lesson planning. So let's say your circumstance is lesson plans are due to your administrator every Monday morning at 8 a.m. You cannot control that. That is a circumstance. And that circumstance might trigger the thought, I have too much to do on my to-do list. I am never going to get my lesson plans done on time. I had that thought many, many times in my teaching career. Okay, but that is a thought that I have about the circumstances that my lesson plans are due. And that thought, the I have so much to do, I'll never get my lesson plans done, that is going to trigger a feeling. And when I think that thought, I immediately am taken back to the feeling of overwhelm. You know, it's just like, there's too much to do, I can't get it done. That feels very heavy, that creates overwhelm. And if you think about the feeling of overwhelm, when you are feeling overwhelmed, it is probably really hard for you to take any action at all, you know, or maybe you take a series of frantic actions. So in this case, if if overwhelm leads you to paralysis, basically, that is the action. But if it leads to a series of frantic actions, your actions as a result of the overwhelm might look something like this. You know, you might say, okay, I've got all these lesson plans to do. I'm feeling really overwhelmed, though. So when you sit down, maybe you start by writing your math lesson plans, but then you get distracted. So you move on to writing, but you're not feeling very confident with writing. So you switch to math or to reading. And then you realize you don't have text for your small group lessons. So you quickly run to the library, but then you're like, I'm never going to be able to find a text in time. So let me go to TPT and search for a passage. And then you get to, you know, you get to your website, you start searching it in, but then you realize that your lesson planning period is almost up and you don't have anything on paper. So you go back to your lesson plans. And at the end of your planning period, you know, the series of frantic actions has led to this result that your lesson plans are not done, which is the original thought of you saying, I have too much to do. I'm never going to get my lesson plans done. So that thought ultimately is directly connected to the result that you have. But here's the thing. What if you changed your thought? So it's the same circumstances. The circumstances is, you know, my lesson plans are due Monday morning at 8 a.m. So if that is the circumstance, but what if you changed the thought? So what if instead you think, you know what? I have enough time during my planning period to get the most important lesson planning tasks done. We're not saying we're getting everything done. We are just saying I have enough time to get the most important tasks done. And that thought might trigger a feeling of confidence. And when I think that thought, just I'm like, okay, I have enough time. Like that thought just gives me like a sigh of relief. I can even feel like the tension leaving in my shoulders. And it's like, okay, I have enough time to get the most important things done. You know, like I said, you're probably feeling a little more confident with that. And if you're feeling confident, you are going to be motivated to get your butt in gear. And you're like, I am getting these lesson plans done. I've got this. You know, if you're feeling confident, you're not second guessing yourself. You know exactly the most important tasks. You know, you know you need to get your whole group lesson plans before you come up with an assessment. You know that reading is a big priority, so you're going to focus on that first. You know that if you use a routine to help with independent practice, like that's something that you're not going to have to prep for every single week. You know exactly what you have to get done on which days. So when you sit down to type your lesson plans, you can finish the task and you can get your lesson plans done and submitted on time. So this series of actions that you take because you're feeling confident is going to lead to the result of your lesson plans getting done on time, which if you remember, that is the thought that we had. I have enough time to get my lesson plans done. It's the same set of circumstances. We just had different thoughts about them and the thoughts led to different results. 
This is basically what the self-coaching model is, and I think it highlights how important our thoughts and beliefs around lesson planning or anything are. You know, this is not just a lesson planning. You can plug in any circumstance, thought, feeling, action, and result into the model, and it works through it. So if that sort of like model is something that really resonates with you and something you're like, oh my gosh, like I want to learn more about this, definitely go check out the link to the self-coaching model in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Because like I said, Brooke Castillo has a ton of really amazing resources on her website all about that. But now that we understand just how important our thoughts are, I did want to share with you three common limiting beliefs, really, or thoughts you know, that I have experienced myself or that I have seen teachers in my audience experience. And these limiting beliefs, they really are negative thoughts that directly impact the amount of time we spend lesson planning. And if we can work on changing and rephrasing these thoughts and having more positive thoughts, it's going to have an impact on our actions. So the first limiting belief is my lesson plans need to be perfect in order for them to be effective. And while we might not say I'm working on creating a lesson plan, oftentimes a teacher's sort of actions or drive, you know, leads them to try to create this perfect lesson plan. And a lot of times this shows up when teachers ask questions like, you know, what is the best way to teach fill in the blank? Or what is the best picture book to use for a lesson on fill in the blank? Or what is the best lesson for this specific objective? Really, anytime we ask this question best, what is the best way, we are looking for the one option that is better than every other option. You know, and it's not wrong to want our lesson plans to be great or amazing, but at what cost? You know, what cost is it worth researching to find the best when there are other options that could have gotten you to the same result that are just as good? You know, they're good. They're not maybe the best, but they are good. Other ways that this shows up, I think, is when teachers spend a really long amount of time on a lesson that takes them not a lot of time to teach. You know, so if you are spending two to three hours writing a lesson plan or preparing materials and your lesson is only 15, 20 minutes, you know, that could be a sign that you have this idea that your lesson plans need to be perfect, you know, because you're spending so much time on it. It's like, is this return on my investment actually worth it? And there really are so many teachers who struggle with perfectionism or imposter syndrome, and I definitely did when I was in the classroom, and I still struggle with this. This is like something that I'm constantly working on is trying to remind myself that it's like, no, what I am doing is good enough. Like, this is good enough. This might not be perfect, but it's good enough, you know, but we have this idea that everything needs to be perfect, and it really is not your fault. You know, if you're recognizing that, yeah, I am somebody who struggles with perfectionism, it is not your fault. You know, I think this is a result of things like social media observations, expectations from parents, state testing, all of these things contribute to this idea that teachers need to be perfect. But perfectionism is not our goal. Our goal is for our students to show growth. Our goal is for students to be engaged. And our goal is for our lesson plans to clearly communicate the objectives that we are teaching. That is your goal. And the reality is, is your lesson plans don't need to be perfect if you are going to hit that goal. You can find a good book you can find a good way to teach a lesson, you can find a good idea, and it does not need to be the best in order for it to work for your students. So a good replacement thought, you know, if you are wanting to overcome this limiting belief is instead to think, I am striving for effectiveness, not perfection. My lesson plans don't need to be perfect in order to be effective. And just really remind yourself that it's like, no, perfection is not the goal. I am working on having them be effective. And there you know, are so many ways that you can achieve that goal. So perfection is not the goal, effectiveness is. Limiting belief number two, 
I don't trust myself to create effective and impactful lesson plans. And if you spend some time really analyzing your thoughts, you might find this one is hiding kind of somewhere in the background, in the cobwebs. And I really think that this limiting belief has a much bigger impact on our lesson planning than we think it does. You know, confidence is really going to impact how long and how much time something takes you to do. You know, if you don't feel confident in your ability to plan and teach what your students need, then you're going to second-guess your lesson planning decisions all the time. You're going to second-guess the objectives you should be teaching. You're going to second-guess the order of objectives you should be teaching. You're going to second-guess what picture books or novels you should be reading. You're going to second-guess how to differentiate. You're going to second-guess your small group formations, how you have your students grouped. You're going to be second-guessing what the research says to implement. And if we are constantly second-guessing ourselves, we can never feel good about the plans we create. If we second-guess ourselves, we also end up redoing or recreating stuff all the time, which is a time waster. And if we constantly think that there is always something better, a better resource, a better example, a better text, a better hook, you know, that might be true. But just because it's better, it exists, that doesn't mean that your plan has to include it. You don't have to spend tons of hours <laughs> searching for these better or best resources. I, I think that this, obviously, belief connects to some degree of that first one. So it might be a symptom of it or a cause of it. But, you know... If you are struggling with confidence, this is definitely something that you want to work on. And I have said this so many times before on the podcast, and I love anytime I get a chance to remind you of it, but there is more than one way to be an effective reading teacher. And you should be confident in the plans you create. You really should not second guess yourself at all. You know, nobody knows your students better than you, which means that nobody knows how to teach them better than you. And the other thing is, is confidence comes over time and you have to kind of practice that. And if you constantly second guess yourself, you're never going to get to that point where you do feel confident. But a really good replacement thought, if you realize that you do struggle with confidence, you can replace that thought with something like, I can trust myself to plan and teach what my students need. And even just think about how that thought makes you feel. You know, maybe it gives you a sense of calm and peace and like you can finally take that deep breath like, yes. I can trust myself. I don't have to second guess things and double check things and go over things and constantly research and plan and plan and plan and plan and plan. Like I know what my students need. I can create a plan and it is going to work. Okay, limiting belief number three. I have to work nights and weekends if I want to get everything done. Yikes. Have you ever had that thought? Uh, this is a thought that crept into my brain. I mean, just so much of my teaching career had this thought. And this one is dangerous because of the word, I have to. Basically, you are creating an absolute truth for your lesson planning time. I have to. If you are ever thinking a thought and you have that phrase, I have to, you're not even giving yourself a possibility that you might get your lesson plans done during the week. You know, even if you changed this phrase to, I might have to work nights and weekends, that is a much more positive and open thought, you know. But if you say, no, I have to work nights and weekends, then guess what? That is going to be your reality. Oftentimes, when we have a thought like this, it is because we are placing a higher priority or value on work than on our personal life. Maybe another way to put it is we feel this stronger obligation to work than we do to prioritizing our self-care and you know family commitments. And this was a thought that I had for many, 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 many years. You know, if you think you have to work nights and weekends, then you aren't going to schedule time with family and friends on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, you aren't going to explore or create hobbies. You know, you're not going to prioritize rest because this thought in your head is I have to work nights and weekends. 
And I often go back to think about my first year of teaching. You know, everybody told me, oh, your first year teaching, you're going to be working all the time. Oh, that first year, it is hard. Get ready to work a lot. You know, they told me I would have no free time. And I just assumed that everybody was right. And so as a result, my first year, I had very little free time. Luckily, my friends were teachers as well. But, you know, I didn't plan a lot of things in the evenings. And every Sunday, I I didn't plan anything social or relaxing. I didn't plan on going to church or anything because I literally spent the whole day planning. I would go and meet a friend at a coffee shop at 8 a.m. and we would plan until about 7 p.m. And then we would go to Kinko's and make copies for the week. It was an entire day. But when I think back to my time spent on that entire day planning, I would do things like spend two hours creating a worksheet for a single lesson. Or I would spend three hours, you know, writing lesson plans for a week's worth of phonics lessons that would take less than an hour to teach in total. And I wonder that because I gave myself the entire day to work, I used the entire day to work. But, you know, what if I had decided that, you know what, I have time to go to church in the morning. You know, I have time to meet friends for lunch. I have time to watch football in the afternoon. And maybe if I had scheduled personal enjoyment things, And maybe if I limited my work time to only working two to three hours on a Sunday, I probably still would have gotten that reading worksheet done, but it probably wouldn't have taken me two hours to create. And I probably still would have gotten my phonics lessons done, but I would have done it in a shorter amount of time because I was prioritizing something other than work. You know, but because my brain was telling me, nope, I have to work all day on Sunday, that is what my reality was. So the best way for you to replace the thought that we have to work nights and weekends is to put the focus on something that is of higher value and importance than work. And so a good replacement thought for this is, I deserve to have a personal life outside of work. And ultimately, you need to believe this with your whole heart that you deserve to have time away from work. And you don't constantly have to be on that hamster wheel of teaching. You know, it is okay for you to close your door on Friday and not think about work or do any work until Monday morning. You are still a great teacher if you do not think a single thing about teaching over the weekend. You are still incredible and amazing. And really, this this thought of I deserve to have a personal life outside of work is also connected to you feeling confident in the lesson plans that you create and you realizing that you don't have to strive for perfection. You know, but if you start telling yourself that you deserve to have a personal life outside of work, your brain is going to help you figure out a way to get your lesson planning done during the work week. So the first step in you spending less time on lesson planning and to carve out more time in your schedule for you is to actually work on retraining your brain so that these replacement thoughts become automatic reaction when we think about lesson planning. So maybe you need to write them down on a post-it, stick them on your computer, put them on your car, put them by your mirror, you know, and whenever you think about lesson planning, start to notice the thoughts that you have and see if you can change your thinking and knowing that when we change our thinking after time, the actions that we take are going to change as well. So the three thoughts that we are replacing, the limiting beliefs that I shared are, these are the things you'd want to write down. I am striving for effectiveness, not perfection. I can trust myself to plan and teach what my students need, and I deserve to have a personal life outside of work. And I'll just throw this out here because this truly is one of the goals that we have with the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. You know, if you really want to commit to saving time planning this next year, then I would encourage you to check out our Stellar Teacher Reading Membership site. You know, inside the membership, you get access to a huge resource library that is going to help you take the guesswork out of planning. It includes actual written lesson plans and resources, and we do ongoing professional development on things like lesson planning and how to teach certain objectives. 
Our goal with the membership is to give teachers access to the resources and tools they need so that they can feel good about the amount of time they are spending on lesson planning and that they can feel good about the output and the quality of their lesson plans. So if that is something that you would like to learn more about, I would encourage you to go to stellarteacher.com slash membership. And then be sure to tune in next week. Not only is it our 100th episode, which is so exciting, but I will be sharing some of the practical tips that are going to help you with how to save time lesson planning. And next week is where we're going to dig into how to create a personalized lesson planning system that works for you. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that episode. And I hope to see you back here next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.